Hello everyone, this is David Dacry, welcome to the Open Bar Experience. Hello everyone, welcome to the Open Bar Experience. Today I'm going to do something a little bit different. And the reason why I'm doing something a little bit different is because I sort of have to. The reason I have to is because I had recorded a few, uh, I have multiple interviews from whenever I was just getting this started and I was testing out a lot of different equipment, equipment that uh, didn't really uh, pan out and uh, didn't provide the quality that I was looking for. In addition to that, I didn't realize how much background noise I had um, in it. And so they're a bit more complicated to edit than uh, I had expected. So what I'm going to do instead is I'm going to share some of the uh, industry news that are out and about right now. Um, some of the things you may or may not know that you may or may not be interested in. Also, Tales of the Cocktail is around the corner and we'll talk a little bit about that. I don't know if you realize this or not, but I've been doing this on my days off. So working five days a week as usual. Doing whatever reading and uh, learning about um, audio editing that I can during the week. And then on my days off, I normally I uh, listen and edit uh, interviews. And the thing about that is it doesn't always go the way I plan it because, again, this is a, a new thing to me. I haven't done it enough to really uh, be familiar with it. So today's episode, as far as an interview, is not going to happen. All right, so now that we got that out of the way, let me share something with you. I'm very dependent on sherry and vermouth and um, orange bitters. I have a Manhattan on the rocks right now, and I'd much rather have an Adonis. Anyhow, the um, Tales of the Cocktail is going to be interesting this year. It's the first year that uh, it has uh, new owners. So we'll see how that is handled. There is a diversity uh, seminar on there. Uh, I forgot what they call it. Call it something else, a long table or something like that. And then, um, yeah, there's a, I think it'll, it'll be, it'll be, like I said, interesting. It'll be fun, hopefully, um, to continue this uh, tradition and um, to continue the education. So today, like I said, instead of uh, going over the typical uh, the interview, uh, I'm going to go over some news over here. First off, one of the news that really hurts my heart is uh, uh, the old Overholt uh, distillery burning down. Man, you got to watch out whenever uh, your neighbors are burning their trash because that's basically what happened. And uh, burn the uh, damn distillery to the ground. Hopefully that won't uh, affect uh, production too much, especially the fact that they just went to a uh, hundred proof uh, bonded rye rather than the uh, eighty proof. So I hope they don't go back to the eighty proof just to stretch out their uh, their inventory. Because um, I really, really do like that uh, hundred proof. Then. Um, in case you didn't know, um, Bacardi bought uh, Patron. And that right there, my friends, is a big, big fucking deal. 
because um, I believe if I read it right and I can't find it right now, uh, that makes Bacardi the number two, I think, in size or, or vine for number two. So normally is at Diageo's largest conglomerate of uh, spirits. And then you have William Grant and then you have uh, Bacardi. And uh, that billion dollar purchase or I don't know how many billion dollars it was. Okay, so there it is, a uh, $5 billion purchase uh, on it. And uh, Bacardi had already owned or, uh, yeah, had a control of 30% of Patron for the last decade. So, so yeah, this would make uh, Bacardi the uh, second largest uh, distilled spirits uh, company in the U.S., right behind Diageo. And the thing is, interesting thing about it is that they both, um, I mean, shit, Bacardi went after, after Patron. And then um, if you follow the news, uh, Diageo um, did that billion-dollar contract, billion-dollar buy of Casamigos uh, with Clooney and friends and whatnot. Um, they have De Leon and they have Don Julio. So, I mean... Yeah, these uh, companies are being driven by uh, tequila right now because 11 of the, uh, I think it's 11 of the 20 hot brands in the, so 11 of the 30 uh, hot, band, uh, hot brands uh, distilled uh, spirits 2017 are tequila. So there's no wonder that these guys are going after tequila brands because that's where all the growth is. Now, the thing that pains me is whenever I see the growth in Mezcal because it's all happening in the sense of um, of um, diluting the the spirit. It's like it seems like it, it seems like the, uh, the the Cuervo Golds of Mezcals is about to uh, start happening, and I'm not necessarily happy about that. So then. Looking into the mezcals and talking a little bit more about that. So here's a list of mezcal selected brands. And it has Montelobos, which is William Graham. Illegal, which is Bacardi. Del Maguey, Single Village, which is Bernard Ricard. Formerly it was uh, Sazerac, I think. Sombra, which is uh, Davos Brands. Bozal, Three Badge. Beverage. Creyente. And then Kimusabe. What? Yeah, so this is the Lone Ranger, the, the, the fictional character, Tonto, that used to call Lone Ranger Kimosabi. And so, see, this is the stuff that I'm talking about that is, is going to hurt the uh, category. This is the kind of stuff that is going to hurt the uh, heritage of Mezcal, um, the flavor. Um, I mean... Right now, you pretty much, I believe you're getting a bargain because you have these bottles of uh, farmers that are producing, you know, 100, 100 bottles. You can get them for, you know, 60 bucks a bottle. It's a fucking bargain. I mean, that is a bargain. So um, then you have El Silencio, Union, El Mezcalito, Montalban, and Casamigos. Even Casamigos is a better name than Kimosabi. I mean, come on, man. 
In other news, the uh, Stolichnaya is bowing the Russian government for control over its name because, uh, according to the Russians, it's not Russian vodka, but it's presented as such, and it is made in the former state of Latvia. Technicality there, but whatever. Um, aside from that, here in Texas, uh, this is one of the states where there is a, uh, a battle going on between a uh, lot large box stores uh, like Walmart and such that want to start selling liquor. So the thing about that is, you know, you might think it's like, oh, that's a good thing, you know, but not necessarily because a lot of the smaller and even specs, which can piss you off sometimes, even specs is a small company in comparison, right? And the problem with that is that there's multiple levels, right? Because it it starts to create a, a, um, a monopoly. And we've seen that in other aspects of uh, what large box stores like that do, which is they can, they have a purchasing power. They can purchase a lot more volume at a much lower price. Or, and they can buy bulk product. In other words, they can just buy Nutri-Grain Spirit, for instance, and bottle it as their own brand and uh, sell vodka for cheaper than, you know, anyone else. Or whiskey, same thing, you know. Buy a few thousand uh, barrels or, or more and label it into their own brand and uh, and start undercutting. The problem with that is, like, you know, in some ways you say, okay, good, because then that lowers the prices problem with that is that it's not necessarily the quality that you get at the same price or even a slightly higher price that you're getting in a competitive market. Furthermore, since they're open seven days a week, one of the things they're looking for is to be able to sell liquor on Sundays. Now, I'm not the religious type, so I really don't care too much about that. That's not my, my bone with this thing about it is that what it does to the smaller liquor stores is now in order to compete they have to open on Sundays and that just increases your labor cost because you know if you open six days a week and people know that you can only purchase what you're selling only six days a week then you're going to have the business that you need in order to keep your doors open and you know, pay your employees and all that kind of stuff. Once you are, have to open an extra day, that doesn't guarantee more sales. Because the fact of the matter is, I mean, if you get cheaper stuff over at, you know, one of the big box stores, then, you know, you being open as a small business doesn't necessarily mean you're going to get the business to cover your expenses. So as I think the watch that is happening uh, right now in Texas, it will play itself out towards the end of the year or at the beginning of next next year. So, um, you know, keep an eye on that because it's not all that it's cracked up to be. It doesn't, it's not necessarily as good as you think it might be. I mean, buying liquor on Sunday might be a cool thing. And, um, you know, being able to purchase certain things at a cheaper price might be cool, not for me, 
my motto is life is too short to drink the cheap shit. So I drink only the good stuff. So that's me. Um, uh, rum consumption is going up. Um, actually, it's leveled off a little bit. But, you know, sad thing about this is that in the top five brands of rum, I would only drink one, and that would be Appleton. We got Malibu, Cellar Jerry, Kraken, Myers. Sorry, but um, no. Um, yeah, so anyways, those are my two cents on shit that's going on around the industry. Again, I hope that uh, I see you at Tales of the Cocktail. Um, hope that you uh, get into some of those seminars learn something new, um, increase your uh, network, and enjoy New Orleans for the, the beautiful city that it is. And when I say beautiful, I mean it in its character. There are incredible people there. And um, every time I go, I have a really good time. So you have yourself a good week. Make sure that you check out uh, Friday's uh, episode of the Open Bar Experience. This has been an experiment, an abbreviation, and a, a band-aid of sorts. Yeah. <laughs> because, um, you know, I'm winging it, and uh, this is a solo project that uh, I hope you're enjoying. So with that, thank you for tuning in. Keep the conversation going.